The PBGC, which you've heard a little bit about here uh, today, um, is uh, somewhat waiting in a sea of red ink. Um, the deficit at PBGC uh, has nearly doubled from $11.15 billion in 2008 to $21.95 billion in 2009. The Hudson Institute reports that only 35% of private pension plans in the United States are considered to be well-funded, and only 17% of multi-employer pensions are considered to be well-funded. A recent study by the Pew Center on the States found that there was a $1 trillion gap between the amount of money states have set aside to pay employees' retirement benefits and the $3.35 trillion price tag of those promises to current and retired state workers. There are currently 38 million senior citizens in the United States. That number is expected to nearly double in the next 20 years. So the crisis facing America's pension plans will only deepen unless something is done. Uh, this thorny issue is made more complex by the different issues involved in the various different types of pensions uh, that we have in the countries. But to be certain, within all of these plans, we have the makings of a crisis with the real possibility of a taxpayer bailout in the future. So, to help us uh, understand uh, these issues, we have a panel of distinguished experts in the field that will share with us uh, their thoughts today. Um, I'm going to introduce uh, all of them and then ask them one by one if they would to uh, come to the podium to the lectern to uh, deliver their remarks. First, uh, Andrew Biggs. Andrew is a resident scholar at the American Enterprise Institute where he explores retirement pensions and fiscal policy. Uh, uh, previously, he was the principal deputy commissioner of the Social Security Administration where he oversaw Social Security Administration's policy research efforts and led the agency's participation in Social Security's trustees working group. He has investigated the trade-offs involved in meeting Social Security's projected budgetary shortfalls. In 2005, he worked on Social Security reform at the National Economic Council. How'd that go? And, uh, and uh, in 2001, was on the staff of the President's Commission to strengthen Social Security. He draws on micro and macroeconomic analysis, financial and behavioral economics, and research in public opinion and political institutions to analyze reforms to improve the effectiveness and long-range solvency of the Social Security program. Uh, Mr. Biggs is the author of AEI's Retirement Policy Outlook Series. Next, we have Diana Pershkot-Roth, who is a senior fellow at the Hudson Institute, where she directs the Center for Employment Policy. Her areas of expertise include unemployment, education, pensions, unionization, and immigration. Prior to joining Hudson, Ms. Perscott-Block was Chief Economist at the United States Department of Labor. From 2001 to 2002, she served as Chief of Staff of the President's Council of Economic Advisors under President George W. Bush. Ms. Perscott-Block served as Deputy Executive Director of the Domestic Policy Council Associate Director of the Office of Policy Planning in the White House under President George H.W. Bush from 1991 to 1993, and she was an economist on the staff of President Reagan's Council of Economic Advisors from 1986 to 1987.
our third panelist is Greg Dean, who is the Chief Counsel for the United States Senate Committee on Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions. He works for Michael Lindsay, a ranking Republican on the committee. In addition, Mr. Dean also serves as the Pension Policy Director for the committee. Prior to joining the Health Committee, he was a Staff Director for the Subcommittee on Securities and Investment of the Committee on Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs of the United States Senate. The subcommittee is responsible for oversight of the United States Securities and Exchange Commission in Wall Street, as well as the insurance and related industries. So, uh, let's give a nice rip on welcome to all these panelists. Yes. Uh, let me ask from the point of view of a state taxpayer, since the states are required to balance their budgets, and we've got this unfunded liability out there, and they have laws that say they mandated, they're mandated to pay these pensions. What eventually happens? Does it eventually happen that the taxes have to go up to pay these pensions? And you know what? What do taxpayers do about that? Besides elect different representatives, the states all have uh, the state level. They all. I'll differentiate between a solvency problem and a liquidity problem. They've always had a solvency problem where you say, okay, the present value of their assets is far below the present value of their future liabilities. That's something they game with the accounting, and, and there's a variety of ways you can get around that. In New Jersey, you know, I think the largest per capita pension shortfalls in the country could simply you know, instantly wipe them out through the accounting by saying instead of investing in a mixed bag of assets that will yield 8%, we're going to put them all in stocks, we expect a return of 10%, boom, done. The, the deficit is gone. And it, it's, it's a ridiculous way of doing things, but they could do it on paper. That will fix or push off your solvency problem. Your liquidity problem is when we actually have to pay benefits and we don't have the money to do it. That's what we're coming up to now. Where it's not just some abstraction of present value, it's the fact that we need to have the money uh, today to pay the benefits today. And what you're seeing um, in uh, cities and states around the country is a larger and larger share of their budgets is going to pay for, um, for pension benefits, and a smaller share is going for other things. So if you're seeing cuts in your education or your police force, it's not because they don't like teachers or policemen, it's because they really like retired teachers and retired policemen have to pay those benefits. So the answer is, uh, yes, you're going to see taxes increase and you're going to see uh, spending cut, because people can vote with their feet so easily. Uh, if you're in New Jersey, shift over to Delaware. If you live there when taxes would be lower, they have better funded pensions, I suspect you'll see more pressure to cut other government spending and less to raise taxes, um, which to the degree they target the waste is fine, but personally I think current teachers and current policemen are a, a good thing. Retired folks make $100,000 a year when they retire at age 55. startling to say this, but if a state were to declare bankruptcy, then it could renegotiate the existing pension contracts, and some thought should be given to that also. 